Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. That wonderful song that we just heard, uh, Crazy Train, is kind of leading into a couple things we're going to talk about on our show today. We had kind of a train theme. We've got a news event that we want to talk about, trains that are coming to Hernando, uh, and also our fact of the week has to do with trains. So we've got a, a wonderful uh, train-packed episode for you. You know, Derek, the word train in Hernando is not a good thing. Um, <laughs> most of our listeners know what I'm talking about. They need to uh, just make a quick errand across town. and About, ev- about noon. About any, noon. Any it day. Seems, any it day. seems like every time you get on Commerce, and just need to go to the cleaners, just need to go right across. Oh, my gosh, there's the train. But, uh, yeah, more trains are coming to Hernando is going to be part of our uh, announcement here in just a little while. So we thought we'd just play that song, Derek. I did tell you off air, one of my top five least favorite songs. Uh, Ole Miss fans know that in the mid-'90s and late-'90s, early 2000s, that song was played like every time they scored a touchdown and um, really just played out for me. Not saying we <laughs> scored a ton, but uh, I mean, I guess that was Eli years or something like that. But man, yeah, it was, was Eli years. Cut Cuff really loved that song. He loved it. They, they played it nonstop at, at Ole Miss games. And um, if you want a song to get into your ear, and if you want a song to be overplayed, actually, if you want anything to be overplayed, let the Ole Miss marketing team get a hold of it, and it will be overplayed. Well, for a while there, we didn't play anything newer than about 1990. Right, there very was a, true. There was a lot of very 80s true. and 70s yeah. and 60s songs. Now we have a full DJ. <laughs> now we, now have, we a have a full, full DJ. DJ. So Ole Miss in is the North changed. End Zone, that is just just you know, Sir Mix a lot over there, right. just uh, killing it. Things have definitely. Changed. I mean, we have a can opener for a mascot, a yes. lizard can opener. Yes. For a mascot, we have, we have Cervix a lot in the North End Zone, and we also have the uh, the lights that will, you know, basically, oh, yeah. if you have any kind of those uh, flashing techno vision sure. issues, yeah. uh, you, you may be set into some kind of spasm because they are at night games. It is every quarter they do that. In the last week, Ole Miss put out like all their improvements for concessions and and uh, different places to be able to buy, you know, beer and 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 all stuff. They may want to make the corridors a little open for the uh, EMTs <laughs> to get to people. <laughs> To get to people when the uh, lights start flashing and stuff like that. It's pretty impressive. It's amazing. But I love it when they turn them all off and everybody does the camera phone. It's pretty cool. But uh, it will, um, if you are, you know, if if those kind of fast twitch games uh, affect you, you will be affected. No, no doubt about it. Uh, Ole Miss games are, uh, well, I mean, College football games now, compared to 20, 25, 30 years ago, LED lights have changed the whole situation. Yeah. Um, they just made things uh, much more, um, for lack of a better word, hype is um, the big thing right now. And, and that's what the 18 to – I mean, the younger kids love it. They trying love, to keep them in the stands. Well, like, try and keep them in the stands. Right, trying to right. keep them in the stands, turn it into a party. That's what they're doing. And, and I, I like the idea of it. The longer you can keep kids in, in the stadium, keep kids engaged, um, sadly, that's – that's the way it is. I mean, you have to invest in those type things and stuff. And look, if you're looking to invest in your future here in DeSoto County, definitely here in Hernando, when it comes to your residential real estate, please consider contacting our longtime presenting sponsor. Of course, I'm speaking about Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch possesses over 66 years of combined real estate experience when it comes to the buying or selling side of residential real estate. They were also recently voted DeSoto's Best for the fifth 
time. They are ranked nationally as a top performing real estate team. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available anytime you need them. Call them at 662-449-1700. Call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can also do a full home search at teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch.com. Simply put in your filters, put in where you want to live, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, all the information that you want to load into their website, and then let the website do all the work to find you the home of your dreams in DeSoto County. Call them today, 662-449-1700. Thank you, Brian and Terry, for continuing to support the UTW Podcast. And listeners, always remember, every home needs a couch. Podcast recorded for our Tuesday and Friday shows at the Mobile Cars and Van Rental Studios. Mobile Cars and Vans, located at the corner of Commerce and McCracken, right here in Hernando. Cars, trucks, passenger vans, cargo vans. If you're traveling for Labor Day, please, we're booking up fast. Got a couple of spots left. We'd love to fill those vans for your family needs. If you're traveling down for a football game over the next three, four, five weeks, going out of town, anything like that, let mobile cars and vans be a part of your travel needs. 662-469-4555. Again, 662-469-4555. If you have a body shop issue, transmission issue, putting your car in a shop, think local, spin local, please consider working with Mobile Cars and Vans, our 2022 studio sponsor. Again, their number 662-469-4555, Mobile Cars and Vans. Derek, we kick off our week every week the same way. Words from the weekend. I always defer to you. And uh, last week, your word was quiet. And this week, it's the exact opposite. What you got? Word from the week. Uh, this past weekend, that was loud. Loud. L-O-U-D. L-O-U-D. Not as in loud as, you know, decibel levels. Right. I'm, not, I'm in trouble with the city of Hernando's not coming to, <laughs> nope, to nope. give me a warning or anything like that. But loud because it was just really just busy. Uh, just had a bunch of stuff going on. You know, we had the uh, ball game Friday night that, again, I'm still tweeting for for home games. Which, so, someone's got to give, Derek. Again, somehow they happen to have that. eight home games. I don't know how any team gets eight home games. Well, and your uh, son no longer no longer plays. No longer plays. It's time to just um, – someone's got to – I mean, is there anybody <laughs> well, my fam- that can, My family's up there. My daughter's on the still, field. But, you can, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm, Give I'm, it to another parent who has to miss the game. <laughs> I did get to sit in the press box this time uh, with a little air conditioner. So that oh, was, there you that go. That was nice. Yeah, I, I, was what, I mean, my, you did earn that over did, earned, four years that. of tweeting. So then I did that, and then uh, Saturday just you know had a lot of yard work. It was it was not it was very uncomfortable this weekend. Summer decided to come back. Sure, a lot very of humidity, muggy. Muggy. very muggy. Uh, had a lot of stuff, just a lot of stuff at the stores. Had to go a couple things shopping for for Allie, and then uh, she had a party Saturday night, so kind of had to deal with all that. And then Sunday. I uh, had, you know, I had a race uh, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. I had Sunday school. I had church. And then I had two very long church meetings Sunday afternoon into, well into the evening. So just a very busy, loud uh, weekend coming off a quiet one where I got to watch two or three movies. There was no, no movie no watching. watching, this. No movie. No movie hey, you, watching you mentioned weekend. Allie had a party and had to, had to work on that. What do you mean by that? Do you stay well, up? No longer have to wait? take her. No longer have to take her. Right, I know is, that, but do you stay nice. up? Yeah, What's her curfew at 16? Uh, 10 her? o'clock. Because she's in 10th grade, so she's 10 o'clock. Oh, driver's license. Yeah, driver's license. Right. Really? I mean, wow. What? Well, it should have That's worth getting your parents to to take you to get an extra hour of time. Well, no, no, no. The, par- the party started at 6.30 or 7. So it was over by 9. So, I mean, that was an hour to get home. And so her, her curfew's 10. Wait, wait, hang on hang on one second. Her curfew's Did 10. Did her curfew go, go down once she could drive? No. No, like the Wilson's, only t- cur- only Wilson's time- curfew on the weekend is 11 o'clock. So you're saying when Wilson turns 16, his driver's license uh, thing says he has to be home by 10. No, that, on Monday through Thursday, 11 oh. or 11.30, Friday and Saturday night. So but her curfew is just 10. That's her curfew with us. Between- at 16 years old? Yeah. On the weekend? Yes. 
Okay, we need to talk about that. No, ten, well, tenth grade is ten o'clock. Eleventh grade, eleven o'clock. Senior, midnight plus. Right? I mean, that's that's. Oh yeah, that's the same thing. Bo had the same thing. I mean, it was not. Well, now, Bo, Bo was not as social as your as your no, daughter. No, but but hang on. After hang on. after ten, ball games, ten after ball games, it's, 11, it's 10, 10 o'clock. Yeah, after ball games, there are people yelling at their well, at the radio hey, look, right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> After, after ball games, of course, they don't get over until 9, 9.30. So, it basically, go out to eat. And usually, she's home on Friday nights at 11, 11.30. So, that's what. But on, but on nights where it's, there's no preconceived, you know, okay, well, something's not ending. I mean, 9 o'clock. you got an hour to get home. Get home. That's it. <laughs> we'll deal with this off air. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, talk like, about wow. At some point, you got to put boundaries, and that's a boundary look, right now. Hey, that's, look, that's I hear it. you, man. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. Interesting. <laughs> there you go, Derek. Run your show, buddy. Show. Who it. am I to judge? Who am that's I to it. judge? That's it. Oh man, things are just getting fun by nine thirty. I mean, well, I, uh, I mean, if the state of Mississippi allows her to be out till eleven, you can't throw no, a little no, bit of a bone. No, no. Good. She Lord. can't when she's eleventh grade. Wow. She can when she's eleventh grade. Yeah, so it'll be eleven. She, okay, it'll be eleven o'clock. Still, the state of Mississippi allows her to stay out till eleven thirty. It's eleven o'clock. Oh mercy. Uh, well, interesting. I, I, look, that's that's. You learn something new so, every day. Yeah, what so I, I did, I did stay up till ten when she got home. Yeah, uh, how convenient for you. You got to bed at ten o'clock on Saturdays anyway. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so like, but I had to get up early. I had to get before thirty for a race on Sunday. So was, I, was you fun. know what? I need to text Allie and say, "Hey, look, here's how. You, yeah, you need to start letting your parents take you. Make them see the issues oh, of no, picking no, you no. up. Look, if, if our parents take her, I'd be yeah, okay. Your curfew's nine thirty. I gotta be back home by ten. Oh my gosh. Well, I did, this is very interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's very, very interesting. And look, busy, loud. That's going to be your word for me. You said busy. I said, hey. Just do the opposite of quiet, which last week uh, you got to have some time to yourself, and this week went right back to serving, right yep. back to service-oriented uh, stuff. Derek, my word from the weekend is going to be visitor, and what I mean by that is Hannah Grace came home from college for the first time. You know, she she was a visitor in our home versus this was her home. Uh, she could have left on Saturday if she wanted to and get back for something or or, or whatever, but she stayed until Sunday, uh, late Sunday morning, left late Sunday morning, and uh, but uh, this was the first time she was at our home, um, and you know, left to go to her new home. So that was pretty interesting, but had a nice time with her, got a chance to visit and talk to her about college. She went through rush and she had her first week of class and all that stuff. So really just an opportunity for her to catch up on some sleep and get some laundry done and stuff like that. So visitor is my word from the weekend. And, um, it is a really neat feeling Derek to uh, have them back home, but also know that, you know, they're going to pack their car and head on out. And that's exactly uh, what happened. So I know Bo's going through rush right now and doing that whole thing. And is very busy down there with the time and it's game week for Ole Miss game. Well, week we for got Mississippi what, State. Five, four ball games in the next five weeks at home. Sure. So it's going to be uh, not, not a lot of coming. No, home. exactly. And that's why she wanted to come, come on home because she's not going to be able to uh, come home for a while. So visitors, my word from the weekend. And uh, you forget that I went as a freshman in college, I went six and a half hours away to a school in Alabama. So if I was coming home, it, it had to be for something pretty big. And uh, so, so this, is a little bit different for her, but glad to have her home. And most parents know exactly that feeling. But uh, then you, you turn right around, and Heather is kind of handling it tougher now, two weeks in, than she handled it when we actually dropped off. I think mm. because Heather was very busy with the dorm room, and Heather, she was very busy with with sorority stuff and everything like that. And now that we've kind of quieted down and, and we're turning the page fully, and the page has turned, um, she's having a tough time with it. So. Prayers for her. Uh, if you know Heather, just uh, say a prayer for her. But visitor is my word from the weekend. And uh, Derek, let's go ahead and talk about the um, Alderman meeting that never seems to end. Uh, they have uh, not adjourned it, but they've recessed it numerous times, multiple
multiple times. And since our last show, they had another discussion talking about budgets and talking about some different departments. So catch us up on that. One of the things I hear about them talk about the most is our coverage, really your coverage of the Alderman meeting. Tell us what we got. All right, so the Alderman did meet on Thursday night, but the meeting was not recorded on YouTube. And so we do not have comments from the Alderman, but what we do have are the budgets that were requested and talked about that night. So the overall theme that the city is trying to do this year is to give 4% raises so that they would like to, now this is, none of this has been approved. Uh, this is only discussion. All these meetings are for discussion. They would like to see 4% raises, basically across the board at least, and move the minimum salary to $15 an hour. Again, this is uh, something they mentioned at the last meeting. They could not keep people because their sure. minimum was 10 or $12 an hour, and everywhere else people can get 15 This is not uncommon. I sit on a couple boards, and we're having to do the same thing, trying to all minimum basically. I mean, national minimum wage is still 725 750 literally. Right. Overall, the what the effective minimum wage is for the whole nation basically is double that now. I mean, nobody's paying less than $14, $15 an hour and being able to keep people. So but, you know, the city trying to do this, that's probably going to have to massage or make cuts elsewhere. So that's what they're in the process of trying to do. So what we're going to do is there were four different areas that were talked about on Thursday night. We were able to get the budgets. And so I'm going to go through those very quickly uh, into each department. Again, no comments for what was said, but this is what was presented. And then we can kind of see as the you know, first two meetings in September happen, they'll probably talk about, okay, let's cut this. Let's, you know, let's increase this or whatever to get that budget nailed down by September 15th. First budget sent to us was the planning budget. Now, the planning budget, the 2022 budget was 341125 They're looking to increase that to 386163 Now, some of the cuts that look to be made, they hope to not have as much outside consulting because obviously they have an in-staff right. person now. So they're looking to reduce that by about $25,000. Making cuts there, the total increase for planning uh, is $19,000. They're not having any, um, you know, when, when you take into consideration the cuts that are made plus the revenues, I mean, the, the cuts that were made uh, across the board, they're looking to go from a total 22 budget. This is total planning and zoning of 481725 this year going up to 508763 I said a 19000 It's actually a $29,000 increase is what they're looking for in planning and zoning. No real f- major moves really either way, Matt, other than that $25,000 drop in consulting expense because they're able to have, you know, they, they do trust Austin to be right. able to do that. Uh, we do have a new planning salary. director that's who can offset some of those. Yes, of course. All right, so that's kind of the planning. Again, if there's anything else we hear, we'll let you know uh, in further a podcast in further meetings. Next, the fire and EMS. So the total fire personnel to the 2022 budget was 3,867,000. The proposed total is 4,420,000 or about a $560,000 increase. And this is based on salaries and that sort of thing. We talked about the 4% raises they would like to give and also a couple positions. Now going through the line, other line items, one of the there's a about a twenty five thousand uh, dollar increase uh, in the budget on motor vehicle gas and oil. I think everybody can understand why yeah, that is. Sure. There's another one for professional expenses going up twenty thousand dollars. Not really sure what that means, but they didn't look to increase that twenty thousand dollars. Now here are some new things they're requesting for in this budget year: building improvements. They would like to design and build a station one improvements. That's the one that is connected to city hall. For 105,000, they're looking to uh, add a dry air compressor for 50,000. Under the uh, imp- uh, capital improvements in vehicles, they're asking for a $230,000 increase there for 130,000 for a new ambulance 
and two vehicles. Now, there uh, I did hear there was talk about, okay, well, what kind of vehicles are these? We need the exact VIN numbers. He said, no, 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 you're not backing me in the corner. Yeah. I'm taking, uh, I, I need two vehicles. Uh, this is what I'm looking for. However, I will bring them to you and let you see them, that sort of thing. So, But they're asking for 230000 total for an ambulance, another ambulance, and two vehicles. They're asking for furniture fixtures, about $11,000 for new beds. Uh, and so the total... The total budget, you know, personnel, everything for the uh, fire and EMT. Last year, $4,788,000. This new year budget request for 2023, $5,595,000 for an $807,000 increase. Now, again, five, a little over 500 of that is personnel, and so about 300 is for the ambulance, the design and build of, of Station 1 uh, you know, improvements the air compressor and bed. So that's kind of what they're asking for special in the fire EMT department. Next, moving on to the parks. Now, the parks is a little different because the parks actually can generate revenue. Right. So they have a revenue you know, budget and then an expense budget to you know, obviously need to match that out. So on the revenue side, here's some things uh, that you're kind of looking for. They're looking for the real taxes to increase this year pretty much across the board, the biggest being in your real estate, so basically property tax portion. Uh, going to parks, which again, they I think they get two meals. Two meals is assigned to the park. They look for that from go to from two hundred sixteen thousand to two hundred forty five thousand on revenue. They're looking for the skate park to bring in one hundred twenty thousand, probably from grants. Uh, looking for that. They're looking for a couple other things across the board. Now again, they have you know their income on fees from kickball, from basketball, from soccer. They do believe they'll get a little more from the Gale Center this year because last year they budgeted 20. They've already received 30 this year, 30,000 for the for the Gale Center rentals. So they did increase that to 25. Soccer revenue is interesting, right? They budgeted 67,000. Soccer so far this year has brought in 119,000, but they're only increasing that to 70. Even though they brought it soccer has brought in 119,000 because selling of the ads for the mm-hmm. fields. Yep. So that's kind of a once every four year income. So that $70,000 is the number they feel comfortable there. Baseball revenue they have set at $100,000 for next year. And so the total income for the parks is $1,468,000. That compares to $1.1 million or $1,173,000 for this year. So, you know, about a $250,000 increase in revenue they expect uh, from the park side. That is keeping the city's transfer from the general fund the same. Wow, okay. So the city gave $505,000. This year, the city is keeping it at $505,000 next year, so they do expect that $250,000 increase to be from programs, from fundraising, that sort of thing. So that's a really good thing uh, for the park system. Now to the expense side. Some of the larger expenses, the of course, as you as we mentioned, there was a four percent increase or more that they're looking to give the city employees, and also increasing that base amount to fifteen dollars an hour. Five hundred thirty-six thousand two sixty-eight is the personal expense currently. Uh, next year, they're increasing that to five hundred seventy-seven thousand oh seventy-nine is what they're asking for. That is a seven point six one percent increase, which again, four percent plus those fifteen dollars an hour is coming up. The major, uh, you know, changes in from this year to next year is the vehicle and gas. Of course, again, has gone up about thirteen thousand dollars. A soccer supplies uh, is actually being reduced. Uh, excuse me, no, it's being increased by about seven, seven or eight thousand dollars. So they're going from thirty-five thousand to forty-two thousand five hundred. So a little more on the soccer side. Everything else basically flat year over year. Keep going down. The only things being uh, asked for, oh, I'm sorry, There's a, the basketball is another big line item, and we discussed this. So right now for basketball, 
the proposed budget is $55,000. Right now, uh, expense, right now the expense is $23,000. We know that $32,000 increase is because they're moving the basketball to the field house and the field house rental is higher. They will have more income coming in from those fees, but the rental income for basketball goes from 23,000 or the, the I guess the charges for basketball go right. from 23,000 to 55,000. So the total for the other service expenses is about 460,000. The one-time things they're asking for this year, they're asking for $40,000 to improve the bathrooms at the track. They're asking for $150,400 for the skate park. Again, 120 of that looks like it's being donated because there's revenue of 120. They're looking for a $7,000 sod cutter and a $48,000 playground. Now, it does not specify where the playground would be. Uh, it says the uh, doesn't say exactly which park it is, but they are budgeting a $48,000 playground. So the total, again, matches pretty much matches the revenue. One million one seventy-three for this current year. One million four fifty requested for twenty twenty-three. And again, this is not coming off of pennies for the park. They're not this acting is, like that's going to pass or not doing anything. And like this, that. Is this is not taking any more money correct. than currently from the general fund. From the general, the general fund. fund stays the same. Exactly. Okay. Very interesting, Derek. Just tons and tons. I mean. Man, I know we're still we're still rolling, yeah. um, but man, tons of information so far. Fire and EMS parks. I mean, just you forget how much stuff goes into a city. And uh, just thank you to all those people that have to wade through and work on that uh, for sure. One more to go. What we got? We got one more, and this one's an easy one. This is tourism. It's not not a very large one, uh, but tourism is an important part of our city. Uh, total revenue. They now obviously this is something else that receives revenue, like the parks. Uh, they are looking at Dickens of a Christmas is going from a $15,000 budget to a $40,000 budget. Now, we'll see in just a moment. Uh, that's A lot of that's coming from grants. Sure. That's income from grants. Another one, the farmer's market. Matt, last time the budget for the farmer's market was $10,000. So far this year, they're at $72,000 in revenue. Revenue, And yeah. so the proposed budget next year is $85,000 sure. for farmer's market. So the total uh, is 137000 currently for the tourism department. Next year, they have, have it budgeted at $285,500, so just a massive increase in the tourism revenue side. So the expense side, where is that going to come from? Well, the farmer's market supplies, again, goes from $10,000. They're taking that to $85,000 because all the stuff they're looking to improve. The Dickens of a Christmas, of course, they're going to look to spend that and put that back into the city for $40,000, so that's a wash. They're looking to... Uh, Finally get the mobile app up and running. So where you can literally, the city's going to have their own app. Gia mentioned this before. You can click on the app, and then uh, you know you can basically see anything and everything going on in Hernando. That's going to be an $11,000 budget item for this year, uh, looking on the tourism side. And then promotions. They're looking to do, you know, basically spend more money marketing yeah. the city, going from 19500 currently to $30,000 next year. So, again, total equals up. The total expenses of 137 currently going up to 285500 to match the revenue side. So it's basically a break-even in the tourism department. Derek, part of our show on Friday, you said – the census for 2020 in the state of Mississippi, DeSoto County accounted for 50% of the growth and the increase in the state of Mississippi. That's correct. These numbers make total sense. Hernando is growing. Hernando needs to be marketing themselves, especially on the tourism side, needs to be marketing themselves um, as a place to visit, a place to possibly live, uh, you know, all those different things. So um, just no surprise that budgets are going up and there's more needs because we are growing at a rapid pace. We talked about on the show last week, the petition that is circulating around DrivingDeSoto.org breaks down a little bit about the interstate system, how DeSoto County is way underfunded when it comes to the interstate system. You know, this is a prime example of that stuff. People are trying to move to DeSoto County and our A-level schools 
something we talked about on Friday, and and we have to be adjusting and making sure of that. And the city of Hernando needs to be a, uh, definitely presenting himself and marketing itself and all those different departments um, for their safety of the current residents and the future residents. So the growth is real and a uh, great job by the city to, uh, to work on those things. So we're going to keep you updated on all that stuff. Definitely going to be talking about over the next two or three weeks, uh, different meetings. Uh, this meeting uh, did not adjourn. It recessed and continued on. Right. And, the, the, yeah, and just, just a reminder, none of this was approved. This is just right, not approved. Yes. budget discussions. And that continues this Wednesday at noon. So if you're still interested in this, this Wednesday at noon, they will have a, another budget hearing uh, that will be open to the public at City Hall. The two they're going to be looking at are the, the two that we did not discuss, police and the public works. Public works, yes. Yeah, so the water, sewer, all that kind of stuff. So those will be the two, and we know those are two huge ones. We'll see what the police chief is going to ask for, and we'll see what the public works director is going to ask for. And so if you're interested in that, if not, I'm, I'm praying, keep my fingers crossed, that it's going to make YouTube. We do have the budgets to cover those if necessary, but hopefully we can get some rea- you know some ultimate reaction and have that for you on our Friday show. Derek, part of public works is going to be street uh, issues, street closures, et cetera. Tell us about a street closure over the next three days. As you listen to the podcast as of right now, tell us about a street closure that's going to be happening for the rest of the week between this show and the Friday show. All right. So Hernando City officials have announced that paving work on Green Tea Road from Highway 51 East to the new section of Mackinville Road will be ongoing starting today. We're recording this today, Monday, August 29th through Friday, September 2nd weather permitting. So drivers are encouraged, and this is the main part, are encouraged to find an alternate route. It is not specifically closed, but it will be some massive one lane, you know, for the entire stretch. They're trying to pave one side, then pave the other side. So again, you are encouraged to find another route from 51 to Mackinville on Green Tea. If you do travel, please slow down in the construction area and expect pretty significant delays depending on where you are where you're trying to get into i know that's not good for some people that live in the country club but basically you know you're gonna have to cut back maybe you have to go through town to get over to 51 maybe to go you know have to get on Bahelia to get over to mackinville and go up but again just a little inconvenience for one week this is part of the awg building part of what the city promised and they're, they're paving this for that and that that awg building is supposed to open within the next month or two and so they're having to have all of that ready as per the agreement yep so uh derek always giving us a little bit of a heads up there when it comes to street closures and like I mentioned, the public works department that the budget will be uh, discussing. So all the, I mean, just the growth and the booming things going on in Hernando all the time, all around. And uh, look, with something neat that is coming to the uh, DeSoto County Museum, which is always our sponsor, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, Derek. We'll get to that as part of our DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Something big that's possibly coming uh, down the track, Derek. I'll just tease it there here shortly uh, for the DeSoto County Museum. But before we get there, let's talk about two of our wonderful sponsors. Podcast continues to be brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and so much more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, grading of your property, anything on the outside of your home or office building, Richard and his team would love to help. Call him at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. You can also find more information on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook, or visit his website, WilliamsLawnMaintenance.com. As I mentioned, Richard is a veteran. Richard is a hardworking, trustworthy guy. He's the kind of guy that you want help from when it comes to your projects. Call him 662-292-8855 for Williams Services. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. 
Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. As we've teased from the beginning music and what I just joked around about, about things something coming down the track, some listeners may know what I'm talking about. The DeSoto County Museum, our wonderful sponsor for the DeSoto County Fact of the Week, Rob Long and his staff, always available 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, at the DeSoto County Museum across the street from Bancorp South, well, soon to be uh, re-signed, <laughs> Cadence Bank. Cadence Bank, don't forget that. Soon to have a new sign, Cadence Bank across the street from them on Commerce Street, a wonderful asset for the city of Fernando. Uh, Derek, there's something new coming. Tell us about that. All right, so before we get to the fact of the week, we want to let you know that Rob Long has said the museum recently received many artifacts from the now defunct Memphis Railroad and Trolley Museum and are opening up a whole wing of their building to display them. The Memphis Railroad and Trolley Museum had to vacate their space up on Main Street and it has been closed since June 30th and had been looking for a new location to try to you know, put all of its artifacts. The Soto County Museum was given the Thomas and Friends train layout, trolley and railroad layout, and artifacts such as the mainline switch stand, which stood alongside the Illinois Central Railroad passenger mainline, as well as freight wagon, lights, railroad tools, hobo history, and other items. Now, Gia Matheny, who had built a relationship with the Memphis Railroad and Trolley Museum through their Dickens of a Christmas event, was asked by the train museum if they wanted the artifacts. So she got him in touch with Long, who said that they had already set up a Thomas and Friends and expected it to be a big hit with the children who visit the museum. But Long said they have cleared out a back room in their building and planned and set up the train layout and created a whole new space to display the train artifacts. So they're kind of limited in place right now, but what he hopes to do is they're going to have a train layout with hills and scenery. It's going to have 23 feet of track. It's a pretty big-sized train that's going to have a loop in it, so he hopes to do that. He also hopes the hallway that, get, that goes to this wing that hasn't been used yet uh, is, ba- is basically the exact same length of a railroad passenger car. So they're, they're going to make it look like that. They're going to kind of put in some seats, some lights, kind of have that feeling, maybe some you know faux windows along the walls to look like that you're walking through a train car to get there. The hallway will be, again, transformed into a Pullman coach or dining car. It will have room off to the side with a berth to show people how people slept on overnight trains and possibly even a side room showing a porter's pantry or observation car. The hallway will also have a widescreen television mounted on the wall showing the passing scenery and even a live porter dressed in costume who will shout all aboard and call out different train stops like Batesville, Coldwater, Cenotopia. When it is all said and done, using televisions and sound effects, kids who have never been on a train before will be able to step inside and will be able to hear and uh, recreate the effects of being on a real train. So, you know, nobody else in the Mid-South has something like this, Matt. I think this is a wonderful thing to our museum. He also hopes to at some point get an actual train car to kind of put in the back, somewhere in the back, be able to fit it on that property. But again, just all in all, a wonderful thing that was given to the Soto County Museum that Rob's going to spend the next, you know, months and maybe a year or so uh, kind of getting this ready for everybody. Right now, they're getting over 26,000 visitors a year. And so, you know, anybody that has kids, of course, if you're listening to this right now, again, the Thomas train is already, you know, some of that's already put up. Go ahead and take your kids there now. But if not, as this is added, 
if it's a 110 hot degree day on July, that's a great place to stop in and just let your kids play with trains and, and learn something like that. So just a wonderful thing for the museum. Absolutely. Museums are tough, Derek. They're tough because, um, you know, a lot of people would have the opinion, well, I've been to the museum, so I have nothing new there. So they're always adding new exhibits, different things, reasons for kids and families to come in. So a uh, great job by Gia Matheny putting the two together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, Gia's always thinking about how can she help Hernando. She does a wonderful job there. So glad that that worked out for Rob and them and really looking forward to We'll update that for uh, months to come uh, when it comes to the UTW podcast. And Derek, he also gave us our DeSoto County Fact of the Week, which is train-related. Reminder, DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, admission is free. Rob Long and his staff right there on Commerce Street. Derek, give us our Fact of the Week uh, given to us by Rob Long. Okay, so the year 2023, so next year, will mark the 170th anniversary of the founding of the railroad in DeSoto County. The Tennessee and Mississippi Railroad was chartered in 1853. The railroad was completed to Batesville by 1855 and owned to Grenada in 1857. On February 12, 1856, the railroad in Hernando opened 12 and one-half miles to the Horn Lake Depot. The first train arrived in Hernando to great celebration on April 22, 1856. There were marching bands and fireworks to mark the occasion. On October 8th of 1856, the trains were able to run 37 miles to the Cenotopia Depot to Memphis. In Cenotopia, travelers could make connection to a four-horse stagecoach and make a trip to Grenada, Mississippi, and only, Matt, get this, so you can go from Memphis to Grenada, half by train, half by carriage, in 18 hours. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> in the early part of 1863, Memphis had fallen into Union hands, along with the Memphis and Charleston Railroad, as far east as LaGrange and Grand Junction, Tennessee. The Union decided to launch a series of raids upon the Western and Atlanta Railroads in northwest Georgia and the Southern Railroad of Mississippi. These rail lines were supplying war materials for defenders of Vicksburg, the citadel of the Confederacy's port and rail lines. Battles and skirmishes were fought up and down the railroad, including Coldwater. Hernando was largely spared, but despite federal orders not to burn the town, the courthouse and several buildings were set ablaze. After the war, the rail lines were rebuilt, largely to carry individuals north to find work or transport crops. One export was Mississippi Blues to the city of St. Louis and Chicago, and later in the 1920s, a railroad brakeman from Meridian, Mississippi, Jimmy Rogers, now known as the father of country music, appeared on the scene. Rail travel continued from Hernando's handsome 1894 depot, the one that most of y'all have probably seen in pictures, until the early 1960s. Amtrak began in 1969, but the train no longer stopped in Hernando. Its importance in our lives and establishment lives on. Matt, of course, the decking of that depot is still right there on the rain, right, uh, railroad sure. track. So you know the guy that sets up the watermelons every yep. day? Okay. He backs up yes. to that platform. Yes. That's where the old depot that basically closed in the early 1960s sat until that time. You know, every week I sit here and, and listen to you give the fact of the week and think, uh, you know, we complain about, Five minutes of traffic. Or we complain about, you know, frustration going for, you know, I was joking around earlier about going in a train being in the way for a little bit of stuff. You know, Hernando, railroad activity in Hernando consisted of, I mean, you just mentioned Confederate soldiers and Union soldiers in the Civil War and, and, and how big a deal it was to go from Sanatobia to Memphis and then Grenada by stagecoach. I mean... Man, it's amazing. The history that has fl- it flows right here through DeSoto mm-hmm. County. That's it. it really, really is. Thank you again, Rob Long. Good luck on the train exhibit coming soon to the DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Admission is free. Get out and take your family to 
the wonderful, wonderful gym in Hernando that is the DeSoto County Museum. And speaking of another gym, I kind of have that segue every Tuesday because it is just such a wonderful asset. You mentioned, Derek, when it comes to the budget and different stuff that you talk about, the Hernando Farmers Market is definitely holding its own. Every Saturday from about mid-April through the end of October, the historic Hernando Square is transformed into the Hernando Farmers Market. It's a place to shop. It's a place to gather. But more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the rich simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It's truly a fresh local experience. Now with over 50 vendors, including Hernando Point Farm, Kills Country Market, Precision Sharp, Miss Pat's Homemade Pound Cakes and Yeast Breads, Brown Dairy Farms, Kendall Cattle Beef, those are just some of the 50 vendors every Saturday that come out to the Hernando Farmers Market to make the Hernando Farmers Market one of the best in the Mid-South. Had a chance to circle through there on Saturday, saw several people from a distance that I know, maybe even several people that are involved with this podcast, and we definitely appreciate them getting out on a Saturday morning and enjoy the Hernando Farmers Market. Visit other farmers markets. You will always return to the Hernando Farmers Market. They do a wonderful, wonderful job. Thank you to our seasonal sponsor. I want to wish you continued success through the rest of your fall season. Again, get out this weekend, 8 until 1 every Saturday morning for the Hernando Farmers Market. Are you a hardworking and motivated individual looking for a full-time or part-time career in commercial insurance? Holland Insurance wants you on their team. Founded in 1981, Holland Insurance has been staffed with local industry experts who are eager to make a difference in every life they touch. Whether it's property, casualty, health, life, auto, some of the largest companies in the world, nationwide, state auto, builders mutual, progressive, Liberty Mutual, Travelers, those large companies trust Holland Insurance to represent them in DeSoto County. Located in South Haven, but ready to serve anyone under the water tower, call them at 662-895-5528. That's 662-895-5528. Let Bruce Robinson and Jerry Holland listen to your budget, listen to your needs, and match you with the correct company that's best for you and your family. Call them again today, 662-895-5528. Holland Insurance. Well, Derek, I mentioned uh, Hannah Grace coming home uh, on Friday. Got home about 7.15. I stepped out on the back porch uh, as it started to turn a little darker. And, uh, Derek, I heard the state champion, multi-winning band, the Hernando Band, playing at halftime. The Hernando Tigers had a good night. We're going to talk more about that. Update us on sports since our Friday show. Well, Matt, we have a full slate. This is the, the first, I guess, Tuesday. We're talking about a full slate of games, both on the uh, ladies and the men's side. Uh, so we'll start with North Point soccer. Since our last show, North Point played two matches, trying to improve on their perfect 5-0 start, having only given up three goals all year. They traveled to Cleveland, Mississippi, to face the Bayou Academy Lady Colts and came away with a 2-1 loss. This was a tough road test, but it was good that they faced some stiffer competition because on Saturday they played their first district game at ECS and let's just say this is a, a much tougher road test. <laughs> I gotcha. And what should have been one of the toughest teams to play in the Memphis area turned out to be just that, and the Lady Trojans lose 8-0. Now, you're saying, oh, God, it's a dis- destruction. However, last year the game was called before halftime due to the mercy rule. Oh, gosh. So the fact that they went, so they went the, full way, they went the full way, 8-0, is an improvement. Uh, is an improvement over last year. ECS usually, both in the men, uh, the, the boys and girls' side, top four every year in state. I mean, That's it's not, really it's, tough. Yeah, that, that they're, they're very, very tough. Really they, school. ECS rents vans for me. And they've traveled to a lot of soccer tournaments yeah. in my van, so very familiar with them. Yeah. So, again, the Lady Trojans. a tough test. <laughs> no, it's a very tough test. They got it out of the way, I guess you could say it that way. The Lady Trojans now sit at 5-2, and 0-1 in district on the year, and will look to rebound Tuesday night, so tonight when you're listening to this, against FACS, another district opponent, at home. 
Next, Lewisburg Volleyball. Lewisburg finished off their week last week by traveling to Tupelo to take on the Lady Wave. Lewisburg started the week with a straight set win against South Panola and finished off the week the same way. The Lady Patriots beat the Lady Wave 25-12, 25-14, and 25-16. Ella Grace Holloway had 10 kills, Lana Farrell 9 kills, Avery Thomas had 8 kills. Claire Smith made 21 assists, and Allie Kate Hall had 17 digs and served two aces. This improves their record to 7-9 on the year, and they will now make the short drive to Hernando tonight, Tuesday night, for a rematch on a great five-set match a couple weeks ago won by the Lady Patriots. Now, Hernando Volleyball was still enjoying a hard-fought in-school five-set win over Lake Cormorant that we discussed in our Friday show. They have not played since then, but will face off against Lewisburg tonight, as mentioned before. This should be another great test for both schools. Remember, this is not a district match, and there should be a great crowd at Tiger Gym. Absolutely. Huge crowd. Now, I want to say, Matt, Hernando is currently 5-2. and two. Right. I mistakenly said five and three on the Friday That's podcast. Right. I heard about it, so they were five and two, looking to get to six and two tonight. Come out and support both the Lady Patriots and the Lady Tigers. Now, turning to football, we have all three teams to discuss today on the show. Starting all three with, teams had a good weekend. All three teams had. A, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's we, we probably need it's to keep rare. up with how many Fridays we yeah, get. Lewisburg we brings us down. <laughs> Lewisburg. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just saying they. they I'm talking. About typically, they, they. You know, they've thrown the most L's up since we've had a shot. That's correct. I'll say that. I, that. That is correct. That is correct. So starting with North Point football, the Trojans hosted their second game of the year on Friday night, welcoming a Brighton team that they had lost to 72-64 the year before. Brighton lost both their running back and their quarterback from last year, but came in with an one and zero record and brought a good crowd. North Point started off the scoring with a four-yard Christian Gilliland end around and followed up with a five-yard pass from Jack Patterson to Grayson Alford with both extra points being made by Brady Smith to take a 14-0 lead. However, the Cardinal would answer back on a 46-yard touchdown before the end of the first quarter. In the second quarter, the Trojans kept up the scoring with a Justin Henderson four-yard TD run, a 69-yard TD pass from Patterson to Alford, and another 25-yard TD pass from Patterson to Alford. That 21-point explosion gave the Trojans a 35-7 lead at halftime. The Trojans got the ball first and drove down the field after half where Patterson hit Alex Musgrave on a 36-yard pass for his fourth TD of the night. And after a mixed extra point, the Trojans had a 41-7 lead. With the five-score lead, the game then went to a running clock and neither team scored the rest of the night as there was basically 16 minutes of game time left and just over that end of the game and just over 20 minutes of real time. The final, 41-7, and the Trojans avenge last year's loss and get to 1-1 on the year. Patterson was 19-23 of for 380 yards and four touchdowns. Alford led the team in rushing with 49 yards and also had six catches for 129 yards and three TDs. Chris Gilliland, Christian Gilliland had five catches for 110 yards and the rushing TD. The Trojans will next host Marshall County, Kentucky this Friday, a team they beat by 40 points last year. Now, Lewisburg football. Lewisburg traveled to the swamp to take on the late Cormorant Gators in a tough test. As we talked about on Friday, Lewisburg was looking to put the 1-9 season last year behind them but faced a traditionally good Gators team. The Gators got on the board first with a 38-yard run, but on the second play from scrimmage, the Patriots answer on a 51-yard swing pass from Gunnar Gilmore to D.J. Green, who takes it to the house. However, the two-point conversion was no good. Lewisburg then takes the lead as Gilmore finds Lucas Gashke in the end zone, and this time the two-point conversion was good on a Chase Willing run. 14-7 was a score at the end of the first quarter. 
Lake Cormorant tied it up at the beginning of the second quarter on a quarterback sack, scoop, and score by the Gator defense. And that 14-14 score would stand until halftime. Neither team had scored on the offensive side since the first quarter until Lake Cormorant scores on a 10-yard run to take a 21-14 lead late in the third quarter. The Patriots answer on a Gunnar Gilmore QB run from six yards out, but again, the two-point conversion is no good. The Patriots had to be wondering if that one point was going to cost them. The Patriots' defense held, and then on the next possession, Gilmore finds Chase Willing on a 10-yard TD pass to give the Patriots the lead, but the third failed two-point conversion kept the score at 26-21 Patriots. But as they have been doing most of the game, the Patriot defense holds the Gators on back-to-back drives on fourth down and are able to take a victory formation for the win. This win equals their win total from last year, and it's a great start from a team trying to find their identity. Gilmore ends the game with three passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, a great start for the quarterback. Absolutely. The Patriots are now 1-0, and next up for them is a home game against the one team they beat last year, Bahelia. Okay, and Bahelia got destroyed. <laughs> Ripley beat Bahelia by over 60. Is that, yeah, so this, this – uh, I'm predicting – yeah, predict, look, look at the Patriots. <laughs> look at Did us. a really good job scheduling. Look at that meme. What's that, uh, that meme? Look at us. Yeah, look, look at us. us. Look, look at us. us. Look at the Patriots. Go. All right, so finally we're turning right here under the water tower, Hernando football. Hernando was anxious to start another season of football and looking to take the first step to their third straight playoffs. This was the first time for the fans to see what the new offense was going to do while still expecting strong play from Coach McCann and their defense. They welcomed Rosa Fort to the jungle this past Friday night, and Hernando got this started off early with a Brody Martin TD run. That was a score at the end of the first, and then Jack Usselton hit a field goal at the start of the second to increase the lead to 10-0. Topher Jones was able to get in the end zone before the half and give the Tigers the 17-0 halftime lead. Usselton started the scoring in the second half with his second field goal of the game, followed by another Jones TD, rushing TD, to push the score to 27-0. Jones then finds Hammett for a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter to finish the scoring, and the Hernando defense refuses to yield all night, getting the shutout. The final score, 34-0. The offense was more run-heavy than the past two or three years, but was able to score 17 points in both halves, and the defense couldn't do much better. The Tigers are now 1-0 and will travel to Cleveland Central Friday night on a return game from last year. We will preview this game as well as all the others on Friday. Just a big win on Friday, Derek. Uh, Wilson went to the game, said the student section was uh, up and having a good time. I know there was a quite a bit of rain right before the game. You know, about three between three and four is a lot yeah. of rain. You know, just a pop up shower. Uh, but they still had it. I don't know if you saw it or not, but they did a new tailgating section right there on the south side of the oh, nice. uh, thing. And so they had, a, I, I want to say, maybe a complete sellout from the tailgating section. Part of the package was you could have a tent, two tables, chairs, whatever, and that also included your tickets into the game. There in the uh, chairback section. So this is behind the scoreboard of that right over that, yeah, yeah, the south side of yeah. the stadium. So I know that that place was pretty full and lets people enjoy that, and then they can walk right over to their seats. So, you know, shout out to all the Hernando Tiger football boosters and all the people involved in that. Wonderful job on the first kickoff. And then they have uh, two back-to-back road games, and we'll talk more about that. Looking forward to previewing everything on Friday, giving some results when it comes to soccer, volleyball. Huge game tonight. Hernando Lady Tigers and Lady Patriots going at it in the Hernando gym. Please consider coming out and watching that because that'll be a uh, that'd be a pretty uh, heated uh, rivalry oh, yeah. for sure coming up tonight in the Hernando gym, uh, no doubt. Look, if you enjoy our show and, and like what we talk about, Friday sports, Tuesday sports, all the different updates we do for Alderman meetings and local stuff uh, when it comes to budgets and all that stuff, please find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. 
on Instagram at UTW Podcast, on Twitter at UTW Pod. Also, please share our show, friends, family, Hernando Happenings, Facebook, anywhere you like. Please share our show. Let people know what we're talking about and doing on the UTW Podcast. Also, wherever you listen to our show, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, give us a five-star review. Simply helps us move up when it comes to local podcasts. If you enjoy our show, you'll enjoy OB Pod. They drop a new show every Monday morning, super early on Monday mornings, covering the eastern side of DeSoto County and also doing a deep dive into Lewisburg, Olive Branch, and Center Hill Athletics. OB Pod. Look them up today. Derek, hope you have a wonderful show. Looking forward to our Friday show where maybe we'll give a little bit of an update on uh, Bo's Rush going through there, going through Fraternity Rush down at Ole Miss and give him more of a uh, little bit of an update on what he's doing down there. So good luck to all those young people as they continue to work through college and uh, you know high school and all the different things. First, and, uh, first real college weekend. First Several real, college games this past weekend, which were, some of them were, were okay. But, yeah, it's game uh, week. It, it is, this, is, this is considered week one. The it, last week was week zero. I was really excited about it. Yeah, it is, it is game week, and I know we'll be down in Oxford on Saturday, and you as well. And I know Allie will be very very well rested with her uh, 10 o'clock curfew that we <laughs> well, talked it'll about. Be, see, again, it's a Friday night game, so it's going to be 11, 11, 30. She may oh, be yeah, a little no, tired. She'll be up. Yeah, yeah she'll definitely she'll be, be up. Tired, no yeah. problem. I mean, she has to be home at 7.15 now. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. Well, look, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.